You're listening to Tiger Talk, the student media podcast. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson, bringing you news from LSU and the Baton Rouge community. folks. We are being joined today by Reveille senior reporter Maddie Scott. Um, Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Well, Maddie, I brought you in today to talk about your your investigative series about the Student Health Center and these fees that are piling up on international and graduate students. Can you give us a Reader's Digest about what's going down at the Student Health Center? Yeah. So basically, um, a lot of international students and even just like normal, I guess, domestic students, I don't know what else you would call that, but um, a lot of international students have been talking about miscommunication um, at the Student Health Center and about how there's a lot of problems going on there. Fees piling up, um, that no one's telling them that they have sometimes hundreds of dollars of fees um, piling up. And, and I had some of them email me about it and ask to do some reporting. And so that's what I did. And that's what the first two parts of my investigative series are about, is talking about this miscommunication, talking about the insurance um, policies, and most of all, how the Student Health Center has become in network with a lot of insurances. And basically what that means is that the Student Health Center is accepting a lot more insurances um, now. Um, And yeah, that's like a little summary. So essentially it's like these students are getting these unexpected fees that they haven't necessarily been, you know, told about ahead of time. That's part of it. Um, And a lot of that is because when international students come to the U.S. And this is something that um, I think I even have a direct quote about at some point in one of my articles, that when these students are coming to the U.S., they aren't told that the American healthcare system is like this, that it's expensive. Because, you know, in countries like Iran and Bangladesh, um, a lot of their healthcare is not nearly as expensive or there's better access to it. Um, And so when international students come here, they aren't, you know, aware to kind of be skeptical when you walk into a clinic. Quite the culture shock for them. Yes, it was definitely a culture shock. So, um, is LSU doing anything to address this? Um, so, I had an interview with the executive director of the Student Health Center named Julie Hopperich. I think I had a, I had a couple of interviews, actually. And she was definitely validating the concerns that were happening. She was listening to it. She was willing to talk about it. Um, As far as what the Student Health Center is doing, um, they are, um, they've made an informative pamphlet for international students. Um, Julie Hopperich also said that she tried to make healthcare uh, or insurance required for all LSU students but she wasn't able to make that happen because I believe it's something that the LSU administration has to approve. Mm -hmm. Really the power lies in the LSU administration and for whatever reason that didn't happen. Um, So there are efforts from Hopperich's side, um, 
but a lot of students feel like it isn't enough. Right. We're going to loop back to those mandatory plans in a minute, but I want to talk about this like in-network thing. Um, in your story, uh, you talked about how LSU partnered with the LSU Healthcare Network last spring to become in-network uh, with most insurance plans. Um, can you explain what that means and kind of what changed after this happened? So basically, from what I understood of it, it's been a bit since I've looked at it, but what the Student Health Center meant when they said they're coming in network was that they are now accepting a broader amount of insurance plans. And the hope was that more students could come to the Student Health Center and use these, use their insurance. Um, but some students also noticed a raise in primary care prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big concern that was coming from them, that there is, you know, not as much access to primary care now. Like, there was um, someone who I talked to, they were receiving a primary care service from the Student Health Center um, that required a couple of follow-ups. And um, they were not told the, you know, how much money was racking up mm-hmm. when they were doing these visits. And when they finally found out, they were like, oh my God, how am I gonna pay for all of this? Um, and they told me, you know, they said, I wouldn't have gone back, you know, that second time. If I had known I was gonna be charged this much money, I probably would have gone somewhere else or I would have just dealt with it, dealt with, you know, a, a, a service that they needed, right. but they really had trouble financially preparing for it and providing for that. How much money are we talking about here? So unfortunately, this is something that a lot of students experience. Um, I can think of a few off the top of my head. I won't say their names for obvious reasons. Um, But I mean, it can range anywhere from under $100 to, you know, I don't like definitely you know, a few hundred dollars. Um, one student I talked to had racked up almost a thousand dollars of bills. And this is just, these are just the few students that I talked to. Right. Um, I'm sure there are students who I didn't talk to who also have the ex- experience as well. And who knows, maybe they racked up even more money. So the students you spoke to, they said that before this in-network change happened, prices were more manageable for them. Um. I haven't done as much reporting about what it was like when the Student Health Center was before in network. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't answer that 100%, um, but I can say that people were saying problems started with this whole in network right. thing. Well, let's skip to what Huprich said about this. Um, you quoted her in one of your stories as saying that. LSU knew that going in network was going to be a problem and disproportionately impact graduate and international students. Um, Then she kind of goes on to say that their solution to this was try to get the administration to require uh, high quality, um, which means expensive, of course, health insurance plans. Um, But the problem is that, you know, graduate students struggle to afford this on their meager stipends on top of their mandatory fees. Um, 
I mean, President Tate himself kind of said that the way the university is treating graduate students at LSU is unacceptable. And I mean, if you look at the numbers, like a grad student with an assistantship working 20 hours a week is making something like $10,000 a year. Um, so I guess knowing that this was going to be a problem ahead of time and there still isn't quite a solution, um, what are the students suggesting about what the solution will be to help these kids afford healthcare? Yeah, that's a, definitely a great point that you bring up that, you know, this is this is dis disproportionately affecting international and graduate students and Hubbard admitted it. She knew that this was going to happen. Um, and something that I was looking into was the prices of the university sponsored insurance plan, mm -hmm. um, which the acronym for it is called SHIP. So the SHIP plan, um, it's like a few thousand dollars a semester, I believe. And a lot of these graduate and international students are saying that they can't afford that, that mm -hmm. that price is shocking to the international students because they've never seen an insurance plan that expensive before. And then for graduate students who a lot of them are saying that, you know, they're already getting so little money from the university but working a lot of hours that they can't afford that either. And so, um, a lot of them are asking for just better accessibility, mm -hmm. whether that means lower prices, which uh, honestly mainly lower prices, more accessible primary care services. Um, some of the student, the, the international students that I was talking to were saying, um, the Student Health Center puts a lot of money into other services like, um, it's like wellness and nutrition and, um, kind of non-primary care services. I have to wonder how many kids are going to these nutrition consulting sessions. Yeah, that's a good point. And they were saying the same thing, saying, um, you know, why are we putting money into this wellness and nutrition, the, these other departments when- While students can't while students, get yeah, basic stuff. Exactly, while they need access to these primary care services. Um, and so that's what they were bringing up. Just, we need lower prices. Um, one of them was saying how um, he he tried to get a COVID test and he was charged like I don't know a hundred dollars something something. Whoa. Whoa! I thought the university was providing free COVID tests. I think this was like when COVID was like just started happening. It might, I think it was a a while ago, but he was charged or it was it was some kind of test. My my mind is saying that it was a COVID test. I feel test. like you referenced that in your reporting that it was a COVID test. I think so. It's It's been a little bit, but he was charged money for a test. Um, and he had a, he was upset because CVS was offering him like, you know, about the same price. And it's like, shouldn't I be getting a cheaper price at my university like clinic at my at the student health clinic because right. um, there was a graduate student I was talking to saying we're students at the university not customers so why are they trying to get money from us as if we are customers this shouldn't be the student health center shouldn't be like a normal clinic it should be more accessible to college students right this is kind of going off on a tangent but like recently I was in a situation where I was talking to people who were at the university like, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. And they were just like, you know, when I was a student at LSU, there was no cost to these services. Wow. 
That's shocking. I know. Well, isn't that funny? Do you know like the time frame around this when this was? I don't remember specifically when this person graduated, but this is something that like I've heard from like a lot of alums. Mm -hmm. All right, we were kind of talking about um, the future of healthcare in America. Um, You know, a lot of these problems that these international students are experiencing for the very first time are things that a lot of us have been dealing with for our entire lives. Um, You know, how much of this is a student health center problem and how much of this is just, this is how medicine in America works? That was something I kept asking myself when writing this series because this is a problem larger than the university itself. it's about American healthcare and access to healthcare. Um, something that I was trying to look into was comparing what student health centers are like um, in other colleges. That was something I ended up not being able to find a hard answer for, but maybe that's something worth looking into deeper because I have heard um, claims from students saying, you know, oh, like I have a friend at this university and the student health center is way better about mm-hmm. primary care prices. So um, who knows? That's what the debate is. Like, is this just an American problem? I'd be interested to see what those student health centers were like in states that didn't go through major defunding of higher education recently. You might have just helped me come up with an idea for another part in the series oh, then. right. Okay. <laughs> Double byline win. I know. <laughs> No, I think that's an interesting idea. I, I, I think you should, you know, reach out to, like, some student government people at other flagship universities because I'd be really interested to see if this problem is being, you know, experienced all over the country and to what extent it is. Because, I mean, as you know, uh, we live in Louisiana. We don't have great health care. We don't have great health outcomes. Um, you know, we live in a very polluted environment. Um, you know, are we, is our student health center ranked 49 as well? I Exactly. Um, to answer one of your questions before about the in-network um, and like what it is, I found the graph in the article. It's been so long since I, I've written it that it, it escaped my, my mind a little bit, but I can read an excerpt here. Um, Hupperich said this decision, going into network, um, was made for two reasons. To let students with good insurance be able to use their benefits at the student health center instead of seeking medical service outside of campus, and to generate more revenue for services from students who utilize the student health center rather than increasing the student health center fee on the fee bill for all students. So that's the quote um, from from the article. Um, that I wrote, Um, and it's this that's kind of causing a lot of debate. Was this a good decision? Is the Student Health Center's intention behind this actually good? Um, And all sorts of stuff like that. And then another thing that um, I have not published this yet, but um, Another wild card is is being thrown into the equation. The Student Health Center is partnering with Our Lady of the Lake. Right. Um, And Our Lady of the Lake is going to be, I believe they're taking over operations. Right. Um, So 
we're going to see what happens. I've been in contact with an Our Lady of the Lake representative, a couple actually, um, and trying to answer questions like, what is this going to look like for the Student Health Center? Um, are students going to have to be paying more money? Are services going to look different? So um, this is a big change that's happening. Maybe this change could be good and fix a lot of these fee miscommunication type things, or maybe another problem is going to happen, but I hope for the best. I hope this fixes some of the problems that students have been facing. Yeah, that takeover, you know, it's just uh, a big variable in this whole situation because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen when they take over management next year. Um, I've done some reporting on this, and I the most that I've gotten is that nothing is going to change for the way student care is managed. But, I mean, we're talking about this outside entity taking over the Student Health Center. You know, there's going to be questions. There's going to be changes. Um, do do they accept all the insurance plans mm-hmm. that the Student Health Center offers? Uh, this is a, a a faith-based ministry, um, it's supposed to be charitable. So will there be some help for, um, you know, our graduate and international students? I, I mean, we would certainly hope so, and I think that's what the foundation would like us to believe. But what that actually is going to look like is still very much up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're taking over operations in the spring, right? Yeah, I think it starts like effective January 1. So it's really soon and There's I've so been getting the same answer now. that they've been telling you that services will stay the same. Right. That's about all I've been able to get and I have to keep pushing for some more answers cuz it's so soon like I'm curious, other students are curious, we want a little right. bit more of an answer. Um, There's so yeah. really hasn't been any official announcement from the university either. No. It's all come from reporting. It's really interesting. Um, what are you hearing on campus and from students you know, that you've talked to about the Student Health Center? Do they think that this is going to be a good thing, or are they nervous about what's going to happen? Students don't know it's happening. <laughs> from, from what the students I've been talking to, I'll you know, get their opinion, and they're like, wait, what? Like, Our Lady of the Lake, what? And I have to explain the situation, and they're like, oh, wow. Like, so I think that you know, kind of points to how this hasn't been announced. And a lot of students aren't aware that this is happening. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I think think that's going to be interesting. I think it's unfortunate that students, you know, don't have the information about this because this is happening, one, it's happening very soon, and it's going to have a big impact on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, in this spirit of transparency, I hope the university provides some answers soon. So do I. Um, so, you know, this is an ongoing series. Um, <laughs> can you give us, you know, any hints as to what else is coming in the series? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we, you gave me that inspiration for that follow-up story. <laughs> so I might have a talk with my editor about that. Um, but also, kind of what we were just saying now, I am looking into... Um, how can I phrase this? I, I heard a, I don't know if I can say if it's a rumor or a bold statement, but I heard something from an individual about a potential change when Our Lady of the Lake takes over operations for the Student Health Center. 
and I have been asking the Our Lady of the Lake representative if it's true. Mm-hmm. I have been getting, again, that answer that you've been saying, but there have been more variables thrown into the situation that lead me to believe that we aren't being told everything, mm-hmm. um, that there are more details. Um, but they've just, they've been telling me that everything so far is in discussion and that there are no official announcements, no official decisions being made. It's all so, tied up in negotiations. Yes. Yeah, the official answer. Yes. So, that's about all I can say about that, but there's there is some reporting going on into what this new operations is going to look like. No, I think there's a lot of potential for reporting on mm-hmm. this. Um, it's just such it's going to have a big impact on student lives. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and I think you know there are a lot of students who are nervous that this big you know company is coming into the university. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. And it's like medical needs like this is a necessity this is a part of the university this is a resource that students are depending on so if this has a negative impact or a negative result that's gonna affect a lot of students who depend on it yeah um maddie is there anything else you want to share about this issue before i let you go hmm let me think I don't think so. I just, I hope to see positive change. And I hope um, I hope to hear less students um, experiencing these issues because it is, you know, a little heartbreaking getting, um, being contacted by multiple students saying, hey, this is a problem. And it's the same problem that these different students are saying. So it's something very real that students are going through, whether they are international students, graduate students, or just regular students uh, in their undergrad at LSU, um, everyone's experiencing it. And so I hope that they don't experience these issues. So we'll see what happens and stay tuned to my series. <laughs> Definitely gonna be very interesting. It's something we're all hearing a lot about everywhere we turn. Um, one more thing, you know, what is student government doing about this? Do they, are they, do they have any plans? I know some of the people that we've heard be like really outspoken about this issue are like student senators. Um, like Adam Dorand has been very vocal about this. I know you've interviewed him. Um, yeah, so some of my sources are student senators. Um, I never sourced Adam Dorwind on this series, but I did talk to him about this series just in conversation. And um, he he's actually, um, he's authoring legislation right now to, I believe it's specifically to put a referendum on like an LSU, I can't even think of the terminology, but it's essentially a bill where he wants to be giving more money to student media and a lot of this is because he sees like the work that the Reveille does um, and I'd like to think that he has like series like this in mind when he talks about the great work that the Reveille does um, and a lot of the you know you know things that I was talking about are things that Adam himself brought up um, so Hil Kafili is also a student senator who I talk to a lot um, and sourced in this series. 
Um, and so this is definitely something that student senators are aware of. Um, I don't think that there's any active legislation that is directly about this, but um, it's definitely like in their minds and they are talking about it and they are having meetings with administrators about it and trying to get something to happen um, and trying to initiate change. Well, the student government can be a pretty effective vehicle for that. And Sohila and Adam are very, um, very good advocates for graduate student problems. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of speaking about uh, meetings with administrations. Um, you know, in one of your articles, you made it, well, you didn't make it seem like in one of your articles, you know, students were saying that, like, the health center wasn't receptive to their concerns. Um, what else have students you've interviewed said about this? Um, about the miscommunication sort of aspect? The miscommunication and the trying to get their concerns to position people in positions of power at LSU. Yeah, so um, my second article took a focus on a Zoom meeting that I did not partake in. This was a Zoom meeting among a few international students Julie Hopperich and I believe the communications person at the Student Health Center. Um, and this recording was sent to me. It was a two hour long meeting among these students and Julie Hopperich, um, basically, you know, bringing up these concerns. Mm -hmm. Why is the insurance so in expensive? Why are these fees piling up? Um, what can what can the student health center do? Mm -hmm. Like we need a short term plan um, to fix these issues. Um, and Julie Hubbard sat in that meeting and spoke to them for the whole two hours. But you could, when I was watching it and some of the things that I quoted, um, you can definitely tell that while they're they are they were communicating and they were talking, um, they were not agreeing on right. a lot of things. Um, and you could definitely tell that there was a little bit of frustration, um, between them because, you know, the student health center, the student health center's short term plan that they offered was to get better insurance, it, to enroll in better insurance, I believe is wow. the way that Julie Hupperich said it. Wow. And these students felt like this was... A bold statement and that that really isn't a realistic short-term plan also right. to talk to the case manager was another thing that Hupperich said as part of the short-term plan um, so that the case manager can, can connect them to resources around LSU campus to kind of compensate for financial struggles that they may be experiencing but again, it's not the answer that these international students were hoping for. Do you speak to anybody who had, you know, gone to the caseworker and, you know, received help or was rejected or? Um, I can't say a hard yes. I might. I think one of my sources might have talked to the case manager um, because I remember him saying, you know, the case manager wasn't the most helpful. Um, but I don't have a memory that sticks out to me about it. Right. Well, 
Hopper itch's, you know, short-term problem, you know, it kind of just loops back to what we were talking about before in terms of, like, affordability. Um, you know, being heard's half the problem, but if there's not a feasible solution, it's not quite enough. Um, have those students, you know, said anything to you about discussions with the administration, like, at of the university? So some of these students were actually planning a town hall with the uh, Student Health Center. Um, I don't know if, it, it was kind of a while ago when they were talking about that. I don't know if it's still in planning, mm -hmm. but um, I'll have to you know, send one of them a text and ask if that's still happening because if they do have a, a plan to do that, that's definitely something that is gonna bring up discussion again um, and will hold the administration accountable and make sure to listen to students. That is sure to be interesting. Town mm -hmm. halls are some of my favorite events, you know, when the public gets together to tell, you know, people in power their concerns. It's a really powerful just thing to witness. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see what happens there. Yeah. All right, okay, so we kind of got off track from our goodbyes. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Maddie? No, I think that's it. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Maddie, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you on social media? Yeah. So my Twitter handle is madscotty. That is M-A-D-S-C-O-T-T-Y-Y. So, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on Twitter, I'd like to think. So give me a follow. I'm trying to build up my Twitter following. Well, yeah, any good journalist does. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> All right, you heard her. She needs to build up her Twitter follower. <laughs> Listeners, go follow Maddie Scott if you love excellent LSU-based reporting. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's all for Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson. This podcast has been produced by David Robbins. You can find more from The Reveille on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LSU Reveille and on TikTok at Reveille LSU. You can find more from KLSU on Instagram at KLSU FM or live on the radio at 91.1 FM.